Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. If you see people struggling in the world around you, be it your your neighbors or your friends and family, take the time out to hear them because just sometimes all somebody needs to be is heard. And sometimes that's it, it costs nothing to hear a person. It really doesn't. And it can actually save a life. So, and it's the simplest, easiest, positive effect that you can have actually is being that listening ear for somebody. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Coventry in the UK, Jor L, or JB, as he's also known, Benjamin, who's the founder and CEO of Cryotech, a company that combines user-centric design with advanced security and privacy. And he's also got his finger in a lot of different pies, and we've had many really fascinating conversations, so I'm really excited to um, get into today's conversation. JB, welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast. Hey, it's great to be here, and that was an awesome intro, and yeah, if I had as many fingers for the different things I'm involved in, (laughs) I would like be like this web-handed kind of a person, but luckily enough, I don't, so yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Now, one of the things I read in, in your background is the um, that you're driven by the belief that technology has the potential to solve some of the world's most pressing problems. And you list things like climate change and disease and poverty and um, impacting marginalised communities, just to name a few. There's a whole lot more there in, in your list. The flip side of that, though, is that, that there there is a huge risk where, and I, I talk a lot about marketing and people using technology in marketing and abdicating the human connection to the technology. And I know you're very passionate also about the whole area of privacy and data protection and how that impacts on individual human rights. Um, So I'm really looking forward to digging into all of that today. Now, before we do that, how do you describe the impact you're making in the world today? Okay, well... um... When you go to school, which I didn't, I was uh, homeschooled, but I've heard from people that did go to school that generally in mainstream education system, you are taught that individuals are incredibly powerless, that we can't do anything. You always hear this, oh my God, this the things that are happening in the world are so terrible. What can I do? I'm but one person. And I would say to all those people, that's absolute and utter nonsense. I already can see around, even in the localized world around me, I have affected change. You know, not to go into too much detail, but people who know me and have lived around me have seen, for example, during the BLM period, I was involved in local activism and actually managed to demonstrate that a local area, which has had for the longest time a reputation for being very anti-black or racist, in fact, wasn't. And it was a very, it was very easy to do. It's just a demonstration of the people and their, and their actual positive will around us. But it took somebody organizing that to mm. do that. And that's what I will do. If I will, when my approach to everything in life is, I would much rather not have to like jump to the front line and go and fix things. To be honest, I'm I, I kind of a, like a happy life, just normal life, just sitting on the beach with my laptop, playing with satellites and stuff, you know. <laughs> but one of the things I was always taught is that if you see a problem, do not stand by and allow that problem to carry on. Don't be one of these people that just sits there blindly doing nothing. 
because it doesn't matter how small the thing is that you do, it's still doing something. Even if it's that, even if it's that as small as comforting somebody who's had a bad day, exchanging a smile with a stranger. Yeah. I know people hate doing that nowadays because God forbid you should look at another human being over your mobile phone. Yes, but these are all things that have a huge impact. Yes, technology has a, human, a huge impact on the world around us. But without the humans being able to use this technology in a creative and selfless manner that helps each other, it's pointless. Hmm. What is the point of big AIs and systems that can automate making money incredibly quickly if the majority of humanity ends up in poverty, begging for a crust of bread, having a really rubbish human experience, while a tiny amount of people, the ones in charge of those AIs, are able to live like kings and queens. What's the point of that? Hmm. There is none. Well, from my point of view, there is none. And yeah. so I would say, I would agree with you. The, it, technology only has impact with the humanity that goes along with it. Hmm. Unfortunately, technology can also be used in incredibly inhumane manners, in inhumane ways, which then leads to you to this whole down this whole route of should we develop things should we innovate yeah. oh my god should we have built the nuclear bomb well yeah we we kind of you know if we hadn't done a lot of the technology that was used for cancer research later on would not have been right. made yeah. quite so easily without that technology mm. research unfortunately it's that it's one of those things yeah i think there's so there's a whole lot in in what you said there i think going back to not taking action on issues that we see i mean a lot of people will complain and oh gee isn't that bad and oh isn't that bad and isn't that bad well okay what what can you do about it what can i do about that yes i can't go and i can't go and flip a switch and and change that situation but i can take one step and maybe that one step impacts five other people that take each take one step as a result of that and yeah and and i think that's a really good approach to take. And then coming on to that idea of technology, and yes, technology can be used for bad. And I I hear a lot around with all the current discussion around artificial intelligence and the rise of chat GPT. And it's kind of been the last 18 months, I guess, where that's come up and all of a sudden it's in everybody's consciousness. And there is a school of thought there saying, well, Machines are going to rule the world and we're on the path to destruction and all of this stuff. Uh, well, you know, there, there's so many examples in human history over thousands and thousands of years where humans have done bad things to other humans collectively or um, individually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you alluded to something before, the, the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, there's a classic example of humans still today, unfortunately, doing bad things to other humans. Um, they don't need artificial intelligence to do that. So the flip side then is there's also a lot of examples of humans being kind to one another and working together for uh, mutual benefit and for the benefit of the planet and hey, artificial intelligence could be used as a tool to enhance that, right? Well, yeah, I mean, artificial intelligence at the end of the day is a force multiplier. People keep saying that artificial intelligence is is going to replace humans and artificial intelligence is going to lead to Terminators and the Matrix. The thing I find really interesting about this is that the biggest doomsayers in artificial intelligence right here and now happen to be the people who are actually building the global artificial intelligences that they all want us to buy into. Bear in mind, it was the great and lofty Elon Musk, oh, savior of technologists amongst us, who organized all of the AI scientists together to sign on a letter calling for the halting of mass AI research in LLMs because it was going to lead to a crazy transcendent style convergence and, you know, the AIs are going to somehow go Johnny Depp on us and everything and it's going to go all crazy. And now he's, yeah. now he's building his own. Elon Musk <laughs> is secretly going out there, spending billions on loads of GPU so he can build his own AI company. Hmm. Incredibly cynical. Cynical is the lightest way of putting it. Um, but the reality is, is yeah, AI does have the potential to displace all of humanity to some extent. But the cold, hard reality of AI is that the people it's actually most most likely going to replace in the short, short to medium term 
is management and middle management, hmm. actually. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah, the ones who were like paper shufflers and really kind of had to have jobs to validate the existence for having jobs kind of people. Hmm. You know, those ones, anything like that, paper shuffling, repetitive tasks, all that yes. AIs will yep. easily take that over. But there is nothing to say that in the taking over of a current 20th century style job into AI doesn't mean that a human has to be completely disconnected from that. What, why, what's wrong with a human upgrading their own capabilities? So exactly, if you, yeah. the dustman should become the person that is coding or managing mm -hmm. the robot that is collecting the dust. You know, if you see what I'm saying, yeah, there should be exactly. no I, real reason. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've got I've got a human from perfect there. example of this, and I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about using ChatGPT in interesting and novel ways, and I said, you know, I've I've got all these spreadsheets that I use to track my investments, and I one of the frustrating things for me about doing that is the amount of time it takes me to go in and update formulas and mm -hmm. correct sort of things when I think that that can't be right, that return on investment or or that number can't be right that's taken in there. So I update the formula and I, I'm always frustrated at how I do that. So I thought there must be a way to automate all this updating. Um, and But I don't know, I, I don't know um, Excel functions and Excel macros and I'm not interested in learning it. But... ChatGPT knows no. Excel macros <laughs> and Excel functions. And if you go into ChatGPT and say, here's what I want to do. Here's the structure of my spreadsheet. Here's column A, B, C, D, E, et cetera. This is what I've got in those columns. This is what I want column F to give me. And this is what I want it to give me if column A is blank. This is what I want it to give me if column A is it has a date in it or if, so on. And if you can be, it teaches you to actually be really specific on what, what your expectations are and what your outcome is. Um, but I've found that within the space of sometimes as little as five minutes, I can have the function or the macro to plug into Excel and then I've got what I need. And I think that's well, you that's an example of you know, I don't need to know that. I'm not interested in knowing that. I don't want to know that. But now I can actually do it without knowing it. Yeah, I mean, the other great thing about that as well is with the new feature that OpenAI has released that allows you to turn a bot that you've created, you turn what you've just described there into an actual custom hmm. chat GPT bot, which you can then actually sell on the OpenAI marketplace, means there is an opportunity there for you as an individual to actually monetize that idea, mm. that splash of creativity, that concept that you had that you wanted to simplify and make easier for yourself is something that you would find that other people would find utility in. And that's the great thing about this technology. Not only have you found a shortcut for something that you need, but you've also found a benefit, mm. which is the potential to be able to monetize it and make and actually make some form of passive income from it. Key word here, passive income the shift from the 20th century active income paradigm where you went nine to five you got a mortgage you got divorced after having a wife and two kids you didn't get the kids the dog died and then you had to some and then you then you lost the house in inheritance tax into everything that was the old system but nowadays we have with the advent of artificial intelligence and other technologies including the blockchain we can generate passive incomes that are just there from our which are just spinning up from our from our own passive activity mm. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's this, people, this should be a time when everybody should be excited, actually, yeah. and coming together in unity. Yes, yes, I agree with <sighs> yeah, you. There's, there's yeah. so many possibilities there. But again, people, are, I, I guess it's the news cycle is more interested in negative news, right? We hear... Actually, we it's hear money. It's all about money. Okay. It's all greed. Yeah. It's everything is, unfortunately... Innovation right now, I'll give you an example, a beautiful example, messaging. I built Vox Messenger, which is the first consumer instance of post-quantum encrypted messaging in the market. And it has been since 2017. Sorry, Signal, I got there first. But with this, what we with this with that whole system, is was it's very it's designed to be as easy to use as WhatsApp, stronger than Signal. And it was and I deployed it out there because the world needed an alternative to the mainstream that we have at the moment. And that's the thing, that's the biggest problem with all of them. All of the mainstreams have not innovated on their individual spaces for well over the last few decades. Messaging has not changed in look, feel, or function 
even in terms of feature sets since pretty much MSN Messenger. Why? Because people found the recipe to make money from it. And how do people make money from messaging? They make money from ads. Mm. You're exploiting your personal data. You make nothing from it. I mean, the 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 reciprocal deal that everybody has in this in this current world is that we give up our digital souls to use platforms which are meant to enrich our living experience. But the reality is, they give nothing give us nothing other than mental health issues. <laughs> but the people who own those platforms earn such vast volumes of money they could actually solve quite a few. Let's put it this way. We should already be at universal basic income if certain people were paying the taxes that they should be paying to the countries that they operate in. But again, that is a discussion for a whole other show. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's been lots of stuff happening in Australia on in that regard, and the the concept of okay, these people are operating here and they're bypassing tax laws and they're yeah. minimising their tax globally by bypassing local tax laws in loopholes yeah. that effectively isn't illegal yeah. so how can we close those loopholes the trouble is the way that the loopholes were closed was they uh, protected a certain um shall we say i have to be careful what i say here global <laughs> global media um outlet that you would well know in the uk as well um by um instigating laws that required people like Google and Microsoft and um, Facebook to mm-hmm. pay for the news items they were linking to <laughs> in a way that, okay, we're going to give backlinks to your news item, which is behind a paywall anyway, <laughs> yeah. and we're going to pay you to do that. So that, that's the model that they've implemented, which is kind of completely counterintuitive to um I think what it also does something it also does something else incredibly important. It suppresses free press. Yeah. It actually suppresses free journalism. And by free journalism, I'm referring to journalism and news outlets which are not owned by Murdoch or one of his subsidiaries. Hmm. Because you know, when you have a string of media platforms which are all owned by the same person trying to claim that any of them are going to have any form of integrity or non-bias is completely delusional, you know? Um, it's kind of like when some when you buy something like Twitter. Now, Twitter, as a platform, is it has grown up to be something that could actually... has already managed to have a huge positive social effect, and it's now have, and it's had an increasingly negative social effect. But the thing I find most interesting about... Uh, Twitter right now in its current evolution is that it has lost, it has become such a massive misinformation and misdirection and complete and utter nonsense for the most part that nobody had to hack it. Nobody had to force jam it or anything. They just had to give it to one CEO and now it's become like the most unreliable thing on the planet that tries to charge you for every single damn thing. It's mm-hmm. a it's a consumer capitalist's wet dream. I mean, Freud and Barnes are literally up in heaven, sorry, down in hell, jacking each other off over X, over Twitter X and its financial modeling right now because the social good element of it is very vastly dwindling. And again, this comes down to one of the things I do, men- I do mention a lot, which is that, People are always telling me that you should be able to divorce a product or a piece of art from its creator. The problem with this is that when you have hugely irresponsible people who are who are gaining more power than gods, you do have to question their alignment. You have to question what, what they you have to question their background. You have to question where they're coming from. In fact, anybody who is at that level of power who believes they're above questioning should be viewed as a huge and a huge and nascent threat, you know, because there should be no reason why you should be above questioning, mm. particularly when you're in the situation that, for example, you command a satellite network that covers over 90% of the earth and allows you to see everything. Yeah. You know, these are these kind of elevate you from the different status of being a human being. It's kind of like being a politician and then cl- and then complaining when all of your social media is picked through. And you said something bloody stupid and irresponsible, <laughs> yeah. and then it's brought up. Dude, or person, you're in the public space and you represent constituents. Be more careful. Yeah. Think. You know, it's, it's, 
but this is but this is the thing that we're we're also finding that technology is being used as an excuse for almost mm. like a get out free jail card for us personal accountability now you would think that now that we have blockchain and we have more and more more and more technologies that actually make it harder and more impossible for anything you say or do to ever be forgotten yeah. by anybody you'd think we'd become more responsible <laughs> as individuals and more personally accountable no it's gone completely the other yeah, way in fact has. if anything everybody keeps screaming about freedom of speech with no consequence hmm. it's, it's bizarre to me yeah i don't um I don't know. I, I think it's in some ways, you know, people don't have the courage to tell somebody else something face to face. Yeah. Because they realize it. there's the, like, it's almost like a mirror, right? They see that and they say, no, yeah. no, I can't say that to him. Uh, but go online and all that's removed, all that filter's removed. And so you, you vent mm -hmm. something, you might, it might have nothing to do with that person that you're then talking about. It might simply mm -hmm. be that, you know, you've just stubbed your toe coming up the stairs. And so you... Ah, oh, the stubbed toe mechanic. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> yes. I'm always smashing my feet into things, though, because I've got big feet and I'm really clumsy and it hurts. <laughs> all right. Now, what one of the things... We touched on at the beginning was the idea of privacy and and the impact of um, privacy on personal human rights. And I know you you mentioned with all uh, platforms that I mean that their their monetization model is advertising, and the way they do that is essentially gather data about every individual user and feed advertising to them based on the data that they have. And I'm finding it increasingly annoying how some of these platforms are feeding me data. In fact, I've just um, Google has just circumvented my blocks that I had in place to, on YouTube so that I could watch YouTube ah. uh, ad-free. And now all of a sudden, I'm getting these ads that I'm you know not not even things that I'm interested in coming up again on YouTube. And I damn, I'm going to have to figure out another way to to block this. So, but I mean, the more insidious, that's annoying, but the more insidious thing, of course, is that all the time they're all gathering data about each one of us, right? So tell us a little bit more about that and what kind of precautions can we take that that doesn't really get beyond the, okay, I'm a American booker, there's nothing I've got to hide, but at, at the same time, um, you know, it's none of their business. Exactly that. Uh, that was actually the first thing I was going to address. First of all, privacy is a human right. It's not a privilege. Mm. And so now we've got that out of the way and we've established that it's a human right. And we've also established, it's also, very, it's also very, it's also easy to track and prove by tons of research papers that humans actually communicate more authentically in privacy. Uh, when you feel like you're watched, you're observed, or you're feeling like you have no private moments of any kind, it, do, it leads to psychosis, it leads to paranoia, it leads to DPD, it leads to all kinds of mental health issues. So human privacy is a fundamentally important thing for your, a human's actual natural well-being in day-to-day -day life. Cool. We've dealt with that. Let's move that bit aside. Now, the next thing that everybody will tell you is, if you have nothing to fear, you know, if you've got nothing to fear, you've got nothing to hide. You know, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear. Yeah, let us trace back the history of that saying. If people check their history, they'll find it was a certain Nazi that came up with that to push the narrative across the radio stations that we should all be willing to snitch on each other. Mm. Yeah. So anybody peddles that at you, you don't you really need to start questioning what their kind of ethic is. Because given that we know that we all thrive better with a form of privacy, and given that we know that it was one of the most uh, brutal periods of human history um, that was le that led to, to a huge level of crimes against humanity that was being enabled by tacitly getting people to agree to this concept of invade everything about our lives and we'll give, it to you, give you everything. In the modern world, we do exactly the same thing, but we don't, but the it doesn't happen through the front door. When you get the minute you pick up your phone and you press that power button and you and you slide and you swipe up the screen and you type in your pin code, or if you're the even more naive amongst us, you use biometrics. That information is fed directly into their servers, stored, analyzed. 
interpreted. Now, with enough of these data points, like how often you look at your phone, what you look, what do you look at on your phone, your emotional reaction, which can be inferred or indicated by how the pressure that you press on your screen at certain parts of the screen dependent on certain visual stimuli. All of these data points can be put together to form an incredibly accurate model about you, the individual. And, and they, yeah, they've never met you. Artificial never, intelligence they, that really can be seen. done much more efficiently than 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, it, and the, the data crunching, bear in mind, since, temp, since September the 11th, uh, there has been, uh, they had the Patriot Act in the United States, which basically pretty much gave the United States carte blanche to harvest every phone call, every email, every text from every civilian populace. Now, the, that Patriot Act data led to the development of an AI called sentience. And this is interesting. We only know of the existence of this AI that is used by the DOD because of the recent declassified information that's come out and by inferring its existence by the references for its costs and its utility. Now, in one of these documents, which is searchable on Google, it was, dem it was described that sentience, when asked, is capable of requesting repositioning of satellites to observe a U.S. individual. Damn. So that basically means while you're sat there on these platforms, which all have cozy de-notices uh, de with the government, which gives the government sweetheart access to your data whenever they feel like it, they can build a super accurate model about you. Now, you're going to say to, you, say to me, but JB, I trust my government. They're here to help me. And at which point I'll look at you like you're incredibly delusional and like you've probably been living in a cave and not lived the last 10, 20 years on this earth. And then I will very calmly respond that irrespective of how much you may trust your government, there is actually no need for them to know you this well. A government, bear in mind, is an organization that is meant to be in charge of a country that you pay taxes to and is meant to look at overall well-being. They're not meant to know and do not have any realistic need to know the very minute of your life. They do not need to know if you have a kink for, for like angly feet on Feet Finder. They don't need to know if you have certain, you know, you see what I mean? There's yeah. no need to, for people to know this unless the objective is control. And this is where we start to, and when you start to realize that, you start to realize how all, where all of these systems are headed towards. Bear in mind, every single platform that all of you are using, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, Signal, they're all owned by the same five people. And all of these same five people all come from the same racial, social, class, and a socioeconomic group. This basically means anything they build is not being built for the intent of the majority. Mm. It is being built for the intent for the protection of their shareholders and their individual profit. And this is the thing. This is the great thing about the modern world. In the modern world, all of the people controlling these platforms are what we call personality CEOs, which means they're fun. They're, they're groovy, man. They're cool. They, they say wild things. They threaten each other with MMA matches that then they kind of pussy out of afterwards because they tore their ACL. Very convenient, Zucker. You know, but it's all of it is a distraction from the reality. The reality is, which is that they're making obscene volumes of money, uh, volumes of money and not just are they making obscene volumes of money they're also learning more and more intricate ways of being able to manipulate and control you bear in mind cambridge the cambridge analytics analytica scandal where facebook handed over millions of people's of date people's data so that these people could be direct marketed perhaps some of the most naive people the least some of the least socially and politically educated people were deliberately targeted on specific issues that they that these groups of people knew they would psychologically and emotionally trigger on. Mm. And you can only do that with a massive data. And how do you get that massive data? From their personal social media. Yeah. yeah. That is massive. That's an incredible level of manipulation. But one more thing I was going to add to that is when we're looking at technology, we, we have a tendency to be blinded by the wow factor. 
You know what I'm saying? Like the Apple Vision Pro glasses. Oh my God, they're so cool. You're gonna be able to watch 3D movies and you have a you have pass-through. Yay! Yeah, but here's the thing that every but they here's the thing that Apple have borrowed that nobody's really looking at, which is this. They've removed the physical mouse, and it's interesting the way in which they've removed the physical mouse. Now, a number a load of a load of their engineers got super excited on the release of the actual headset and started making loads of things public about how they discovered through the linking of a biometric movement and the strengthening of neural response and then analysis of the eighteen of the fifteen to twenty eight biometric points data points around the eye. Not only can they learn incredible amounts about you but they can guide your actions without you even realizing it or being aware of it. Hmm. And they're so proud of this. I mean, it's any of us who know even the smallest amount of neuroscience <laughs> know, yeah, people, we know the power of repetitive, hmm. repetitive movements, particularly repetitive movements, which are focused around nerve bundles within the hand, because these connect in a very specific way. We use our hands a lot. So these have very strong neural pathways. So if you can co-opt this, and use it for triggering, to be triggered at request, that gives you a very deep way of being able to biomechanically insinuate control of a person. That's scary. Hmm. That's freaking terrifying. I mean, really? You know, if, it, if this were a world that I even had any form of remote control over, I would be insisting on a health warning going on that headset, pointing out this major thing, like, be aware, guys. If you start feeling like all of a sudden you need to eat another human being, be aware it could be that your Apple Vision Pro headset made you feel that way. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully they won't do that. <laughs> T turning that around, I mean, there's lots of scary stuff there. Turning, turning that around back to where we started the conversation from, I guess, which was what can each of us individually do? What's a little thing we can do to... Mm -hmm affect that change and I guess one of the things you you mentioned right at the beginning is educating ourselves and being aware but what what else can we do to affect that change simple simple practical stuff and most of it actually starts right here in fact most of the things you're going to end up doing which I'm going to mention in a moment don't involve that much tech of any kind and are just focused on how you think about things mm. because it's about how you look at the world around you, actually. It depends on how safe you are. I'll give you an example. Most people on, fa on Facebook, uh, your privacy is defaulted to open. Hmm. So if you're a Facebook user, the very first thing you need to do is set your profile to private. Set it so that all of your posts are automatically set to private unless you specify otherwise. Remove friends of friends. Because the friends of friends mechanic in Facebook allows a person to use daisy change friend of friend mechanic to actually route their way to you. So if you want to be completely safe, remove the friends of friends access. Then stop being a friends whore on Facebook. Stop <laughs> adding every single person that bloody gut rolls up and says, I want to be your friend. No, bear in mind, you know, scientifically and behaviorally, Humans can actually only maintain like deep or even mo moderately meaningful relationships with less than a handful mm. of people. So if you're somebody who has 70,000 people on your Facebook, I'm telling you now, three quarters of them are bots and the rest are probably people you probably would not want to meet in real life. So when it comes to your friends list, A, make your, your friends list private so people can't see who's on there and then reverse engineer your social circle. And B, actually only have people on there who you actually have individually mm. verified. You know, I know, it's, you know if you travel a lot, it may become harder to do that. But then don't forget, Facebook and all of these social media platforms give you a, a feature called lists. And it allows you to create lists of groups of people. Use that. It's one of the most underutilized features in Facebook, but it's actually a feature that can really help you protect your personal privacy. Use your lists. Set your posts to only be within specific circles mm. of people. Circles of people. If you have a group of people that you say you met at the pub and you're like, well, I only know, know them for five minutes, then that's your acquaintances list, buddy. Your acquaintances list does not need to see that you went off and spent 750 quid on a brand new flat screen TV and that you're going on holiday conveniently just, just as it's to yeah, be yeah, delivered. Yeah. Your acquaintances don't need to know that. You see what I mean? So it's literally just about changing the way you think. Mm. If you think a little less, a little less like, 
Everything should be open. Yay. No, question it. Hmm. Look at it. It's the same with Twitter. If you don't want to be getting into, if you don't want to see loads of ads, if you don't want to see loads of narwhal what's-his-face just pontificating about something, and if you don't want to see Matchy trying to pump and dump yes another crypto, set your profile to private. Simple. Done. Boom. That's all you have to do, ladies and gentlemen. It's actually really simple. Um, now, the deeper way of protecting yourself in this social media world does become a little technical. And that involves doing things like uh, checking the permissions on your phone, mm. regularly removing inactive apps, regularly ensuring that you have the latest updates of Google. And if you are an iFail user, yes, have the latest updates of Apple. I mean, they're going to ram them down your throat anyway. But yes, make sure that your hardware is always running the latest software. Also, only download and install applications and software from verified publishers. And you're going to say to me, oh, what does that mean? Because when I go on the Apple iOS app store, they claim to check everything, but there's loads of scam apps on there somehow. By verified publishers, I'm referring to use apps from big names. So if you say you're using a version of Microsoft Office, maybe don't use the version that says Microsharp. <laughs> use the one that says Microsoft and has a logo that remotely looks like Microsoft. You know, do not... Um, if you're looking at applications and software, particularly on social media networks and other platforms, there is a rule of thumb. If anything looks too good to be true, it is literally a spying piece of scamware that will infect all your hardware and may even give and may even infect you with Pegasus or Predator. And those who know will know what I'm talking about. Uh, don't do that. These get-rich-quick apps they are a lie. They are harvesting your data and then they are providing access to your phone. Bear in mind, people don't have to just install one app on your handset to compromise it. The most common form of compromise now is where you will have multiple apps that recommend each other that seem to have some form of function that you really desire. And when they're all three of them are installed on your handset, they will then compromise you. It is a very Pegasus style route to your handset. So be aware of this. If you are additionally, another form of safety is really think about your communications platforms. Really think about your messaging. Now, at this point, given that I'm the CEO of a messaging platform, I'd say use Vox Messenger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say I do say use Vox Messenger because, like, we're the only ones where you can actually delete your messages for realsies, and we can actually prove that. We are also have end-to-end -end PQ encryption, and we can also demonstrate that we can't read anything in our database, unlike the others. But what I would say above any pitch to my own product is look at the platforms that you're using and think to yourself of how do they protect you. For example, when you're in a WhatsApp group, is it protecting you that every time you join a WhatsApp group, you have no choice over your name and telephone number being exposed to every single other person in that WhatsApp group? This is an incredibly simple fix. We actually have this in Vox Messenger. In Vox Messenger, when you join a group or set up a group, until you disable your enhanced group's privacy, your name and telephone number is hidden from everybody else in the group, same as theirs is. You know, a very simple thing. When you're using Signal, think to yourself, okay, I'm an activist, I'm a journalist. Yay, I'm using Signal, but hold on. Um, didn't they just make their servers closed source? So I can't see who's accessing my data. And didn't Brian Acton, who's the founder of WhatsApp, just give them 25 mil? Mm. Oh, and didn't Chris and didn't uh, Mr. Tucker get pulled in by the FBI because they found out he was... Uh, didn't Tucker Carlson get pulled in because they found out he was going to interview Putin on their show? And he pointed out that the only way they would have known this is if they had keys to his signal. So basically, question these platforms. I mean, hell, I'm actually really easy to find. I, Even though I'm all about privacy, I realize that because I am about privacy and I'm building building platforms that are, you know, that actually have to be safe, I have to forgo my own personal privacy that people, so that I can be questioned, so that I can be interrogated and make sure that my ethics and, my, and where I'm coming from is the right point of view. So look me up. Feel free to ask me the hard questions because if I can't answer them, I will work out, I will find a solution to them. You know, this is this is technology which is for everyone. So if you want to live more safely, it doesn't have to be complicated. You just got to kind of think about it a little more. Mm. You know, just yeah. Well, think of think of. I'll give you an example. All of this data 
when the when as these systems that I'm deploying gain adopt uh, a mass adoption, all of them link towards universal basic income because all of the systems I'm not interested in being a billionaire. I've seen the revenue that these platforms can make from rev, from financial modeling, and I've got to be honest, it made me ill. And that's the reason why by 2030, we're committed to putting a large proportion of our profits into a universal basic income. We even have the smart contract already written that automatically spins up the multi-signature wallet on the on, at midnight on the 5th of November, 2030. And that, that wallet will contain universal basic income. Our profits will go into there. And that's then distributed to whoever has access to VoxPay and Vox Crypto. And no, you don't have to stick your eye into a silver ball <laughs> and give Sam Altman all of your credentials for it because why do you have to? Hmm. What's the point? Yeah, well, there's lots of you know? lots of practical applications there that um, people can look at and implement, many of them fairly easily. And I, I know um, I hardly use Facebook these days, but I know I've, I've gone through and done all the all the things you've suggested and tightened it up. And even, mm-hmm. even then at some point I came to the realization that this just isn't serving me. So I stopped using it. I still have an account yeah. there, but I stopped using it. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> <laughs> oh the, yeah, that's right. The, the other side. So we talked about what steps can we take to protect ourselves here? What's the positive side of all of this? That's that was the other question. The positive side of all of this is that we're living in the 21st century. We're living in a time where I look at all the technology around us and I am literally seeing Star Trek a reality. Yes, we're living in the Star Trek future. We just haven't got to the peace, we've got to the point of world peace and moving away from the nonsensical chase of these fictional sums and figures that we call money. We should instead be chasing the pursuit of knowledge, actually, but okay. I would say the upside to all of this is that it is now possible for the individual to be more powerful, actually, than a nation if they really have the will to be. But think of it like this. Any person can can learn any coding language fairly easily now. You can learn any coding language and any form of infrastructure for free. You don't have, it doesn't have to cost you anything. And then on top of that, we have easy to use AIs and LLMs, which can turn any one of us into a force multiplier. That could be a force for good or a force for evil. But it's there at the end of the day. The upside to all of this, I would say, is that perhaps for the first time in world, in world history, Human individuals truly can be sovereign and can become fully self-autonomous in terms of revenue driving, in terms of creativity, in terms of becoming in terms of becoming masters of their own universe. I mean, there's a reason why the slogan for my Vox Crypto app is "I am the bank." There is a reason why the slogan for Vox Messenger is "I am the messenger," because we are these things. We are. As individuals living our lives, we are the sum total of many different things. We will be many different versions of ourselves. But unfortunately, in the 20th century that we're, we've been, we've already exited, but for some reason, still seems to have its claws stuck in us. We're still operating in this real kind of very basic concept of profit. And that's it. Just profit, profit, profit. That even comes at the cost of all humanity, which is what we're seeing right in front of us. But the thing I say to you is the reason there's an up, the upside to this is that it's accelerated. The technology is advancing at such a speed that the groups of people that would like to maintain us in these old ways of thinking, in these old, traditional, centralized, chained prisons, as it were, it, it is going to become very, it becomes increasingly harder for them to actually successfully do that because of our personal autonomy. And because of, bear in mind, I hate to say it, what perhaps one of the worst mistakes the so called world systems ever made was giving everybody access to free internet. Seriously, because, you know, we can now see everything. We see everything that happens everywhere in real time, and we can communicate between people irrelevant of language, irrelevant of barrier. I mean, so I would say the upside is we can be more connected to each other than we ever have Mm. been. So the opportunities are right there for us to craft a world that literally is one based on love, togetherness, you know, 
our humanity, not chasing fucking money, you know? Mm. Yeah. I've got to be honest, sometimes as a technologist, it becomes a little bit hard not to get depressed about (laughs) the world around you. And I shake my head and go, it's okay, JB, because it changes. Everything changes. You know, we all change. Mm. The world changes. Life is changed. And that's why I think it's so amazing. So Mm. the upside is technology is rapidly advancing. And the upside, uh, the additional upside to that is if you have the willpower to do it, you have the opportunity to be a god in the new world. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully for good, because as as we pointed out, there's there's been good and evil throughout human history, and um, technology. That's an interesting question, actually, because the more uh, here's the question for it. Here's the question: is that once we become, once we do get closer to the convergence, which then leads us to transcendence, the bit where we are this, we are so advanced as a civilization that we're practically just a force of a will. Who does maybe the concepts of good and evil no longer exist anymore hmm. to some extent? Because you are think you would start to think in such vast uh in the concepts of epochs, not minutes, not yeah. days, yeah. not weeks, not months or years. You'd be thinking in periods of epochs. And then when you start looking at the world and existence in that way, you actually start to realize how incredibly uh insignificant a hell of a lot of the stuff that most humans are arguing about really yeah. I mean, there's a reason why astronauts come back from space and they say they start experiencing problems because you know they start realizing the, the things that they're hearing people talk about is really meaningless yeah. and pointless yeah. because they've seen the earth so small like that yeah. in the cold void of space i hate to say it, my wife and i talked about this one of the greatest things i think we could do as a as a civilization is you know, given that we have the technology and given that we're insistent on wrecking our ozone layer for space flight, for space flight, we should be actually making it possible that every young person experiences suborbital flight as part of this, you know, part of growing mm-hmm. up. You know, you go to you go to college, you go to university, and as part of going to university, you do a suborbital flight. And the reason for this is because you will end up giving people such a sense of perspective that the these petty things that we we grind ourselves with like how do i look yeah do i have so many followers hey am i getting enough mentions you know did somebody walk past me while i'm while i'm stupidly videoing myself in the gym <laughs> for some reason because i don't like or love myself enough all of this stuff becomes insignificant yeah. and that's what we need a bit more we need a bit more of this yeah. wider yeah. picture thinking from all of us i think and you know thinking outward it's the world is really crazy me, out right? there right yeah. now well, yeah. I I think you can do that without spending a lot of money on spaceflight. I, we recently um, spent a day in one of the ancient <coughs> sequoia groves in California, Mariposa Grove, looking at um, some trees that were between two and three thousand years old. I mean, carbon dating can't even get get mm. an accurate take on how old they are because they're so old, still alive. They've been around for between two and 3,000 years. And you see these wow. things and just reflecting on what they've experienced and what the world's experienced while they've been around. And you think, gee, we're pretty insignificant, aren't we? <laughs> but think of it like this. That works for you because you're a, a you're an individual who's already experienced mm. life and you haven't spent the first three quarters of it on a digital device. Yeah, that's right. Now think of the generation... <laughs> Think of Generation Z, think of Generation Alpha, and coming from next year onwards, even Generation Beta. <laughs> yeah, think of those guys, the ones who are brought up on the tech. Mm. For them, seeing that tree would not be enough of a profound experience because it's it would be too hard to quantify from the jump from that to, guys, experience the stillness. Mm. Can you hear that? Can you hear the soul of the tree there? They ain't going to get that. Yeah. But the visceral experience of suborbital flight and then feeling that weightlessness and then seeing for the very first time in their lives that that is the place they just come from. Mm. And it's that delicate, that precious, that small. And they're inside of a capsule where everything around the capsule for millions of miles around it is trying to kill the inhabitants. (laughs) You know, it, it will have a profound effect on them. Who knows how many of them would commit suicide afterwards? But 
no, seriously, this there have been psychological mm. studies on this kind of stuff. What happens to a mass population when you give the when you subject them to profound experiences? But this is but the thing is, over a period of time, you will actually find that humanity will evolve to such a higher level of thinking. Now, this is not to say that I agree with what Sam Altman says, where he says that we're median humans that can be replaced because I've got to be honest, if you can even look at humans as median humans, it means you already look at us in a sliding, you, you already look at humanity in a sliding scale mm. of usefulness. <laughs> yeah. And that's a dangerous way yeah. to start thinking about bloody humans, you know? Mm. All right. Well, there's lots of positives there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it's a good note to move on to the buzz, our innovation round. Now, this is kind of a switch in gears a little bit because we've kind of been very philosophical here. We've taken a look at at technology in general and uh, artificial intelligence uh, more specifically, but from a fairly philosophical point of view with some practical mm. tips going through it, though. Um, but this um, buzz round is, is more around um, what people can do in their business um, or in their lives to kind of get ahead, learn more, be more innovative. That's mm-hmm. So you ready? Yes, let's do yeah. this thing. Idea is that you'll inspire the listener to actually go and take some action today as a result. So short and <laughs> snappy answers with a recommendation maybe. Okay. Then. So the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative the number one thing to be more innovative, uh, learn at least one coding language, preferably Java. Mm-hmm. Be be practical in what you're doing. Um, theory is all well and good, but you, there's nothing better than actually doing. And it's incredibly easy to learn. And there's so many free resources now that you can just, you will be, you'll be building something from scratch that you can actually see working immediately that gives you that dopamine hit <laughs> of positivity and will make you want to keep on doing it. So learn a coding language. It's even. It's never been easier. Okay, great. Well, that's that's a good recommendation. So I, I should upgrade my basic skills. Is that what you're telling me? Do you, if it were up to do me, you even know what teaching coding primary school? <laughs> do you even know what basic is as a programming language? Is yes, I do. Beginners or purpose symbolic instructional code. Okay. That's the very right, first good. language I learned at 13 and did my diploma in. Excellent. Okay, so <laughs> maybe you you just look so young. I thought maybe it, it's died out. I'm, I'm this, I'm 43 this year. <laughs> Excellent. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, oh, this is going to so sound so mad. Um, I got, I had kids and I got married. <laughs> I know it's going to sound really nuts because I'm not saying that's what everybody should do. But when you become a parent, it so completely changes mm. your priorities. And it really makes you look up. It makes you realize what's really important in the world. And that actually has a positive effect in how you do business. Mm. You know, if you if you focus on, if you're a parent and you're really focusing on that stuff, you'll notice that actually has a really positive effect. So um, I'm not saying go out and have kids because nobody can afford to anymore. So in, if you're not me and who's already done that, um, hmm, travel, hmm. travel travel it really helps because i know it's going to sound really that it's not connected but if you can understand how different people cultures different languages different all of these different things combine together to create the world around us I, you will you will actually start looking at your own projects differently you'll start bringing in new ideas and new new ways of new forms of creativity into it that you would have never have thought mm-hmm. of thought of otherwise and no, I'm not trying to push some woke message of like, go out and make everything United Colors of Benetton. I'm just saying, be informed of the world around. One of some of the best things I did as a kid was being dragged around Europe by my parents. I I say dragged as a kid. I didn't want yeah. it. But in retrospection, it really helped me. It really did. It, it allowed me to look, not get so caught up in silliness, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean, around us. So travel. Yeah. Yeah. Travel yeah, really will really and help think- your creativity and innovation. I think what what both of your suggestions have in common is looking, being observant and looking at different perspectives. And I think Mm -hmm. um, certainly, I mean, I've I've got kids or they're grown up now, uh, but having gone through that whole process is it it certainly did change my life and it, it brought me yeah, it forced me to look at things in in a different light, and travel does as that as well because it puts you in a different environment. It uh, puts you in front of people that have different life experiences, different culture, different language, yeah. um, different history. Uh, 
And if you can be observant and curious about those differences and learn from them, that that really does, it's an amazing gift. It really helps. It helps to build your own ability for empathy. Mm. And in business, if you want, uh, if you want to do well in business, empathy is hugely important. If this ranges from being able to do a deal to being able to sell something, if you even in a merger or acquisition, having deep empathy and being able to feel the energy of the room, the energy of the people around and being able to understand it in more than a superficial way is actually hugely beneficial. So I'd also say another tip would be learn some basic behavioral psychology because actually that will really help you. It, it, it's helped me become a lot more patient with the people in my world and actually the people around me because this also helped me to understand people's motivations better as opposed to misunderstanding mm. things you know, or jumping to conclusions because as soon as you understand that we all come from different walks of life and that we all have different socioeconomic drivers and that we all have our own different proclivities. As soon as you start to understand that, it, it doesn't mean that you're making excuses for people. It just means that you understand where they're coming yeah. from. And you don't start acting like a jerk with people for no reason. <laughs> you know, so I'd say that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, excellent. That's that's certainly a good bonus tip. Yeah, wonderful. Now, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Um, the, mo- the, use- the resource I probably I use most often right now is Slack. Uh, seriously, the re- uh, Slack and Caffeine. Th- those are my two most used resources right now. Um, in terms of software resources, I'd say ChatGPT. Yeah. Is, I use ChatGPT a hell of a lot. Um, I'll use AI to uh, run, the, the, to bounce ideas backwards and forwards. If an idea doesn't seem to quite, if I'm coming up with an idea, and I know that semantically and linguistically, I have a tendency to, use language that can be slightly complex in comparison to the modern standard. Um, Some people call it being educated. Some other people just call it being posh, whichever. I understand that that means that that will not communicate well to others. So I'll get the chat GP. I'll just get chat GPT to rewrite it Mm. for me more for a layman's language or stuff like that. So um, I'd say chat GPT and Slack. I'm using Slack a lot because half my devs use Slack. Don't know why. Horrible, but at least it's not teams. (laughs) It could be worse. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, we've certainly uh, covered ChatGPT quite extensively, but yes, I'm um, using it to re, um, reword or um, put a slightly different tone on what you write. Yeah. I, I use it quite a lot for that as well. That sounds. I've written that. It's got all the information, but it sounds boring. <laughs> ChatGPT. Yeah. Well, or, or yeah, I'll give you an example. If I need to reply, say somebody has sent me an email and say, for example, I'm having that stubbed toe moment of my day. <laughs> I'm not sending my response. I write my response and I tell ChatGPT, rewrite this to be nice. And it actually does it for all right, me. Okay. <laughs> and, and this is how I don't end up losing my relationships with people. <laughs> Love it. I haven't tried that. I must try that. <laughs> It really works. It actually does. You, you'll read it and you'll like go, oh my God, wow, that is insane. God damn, I love you, AI. And then just go send it. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a project on track? Pardon? What's the best way to keep a project on track? Um, communicate with all the stakeholders very, very regularly, maintaining contact. Um, also, spend 10% more time in the initial pre-production and planning stage before you go to production. It will help you hugely. If you are managing a project and you have members of the project who are pushing you to accelerate past where your gut and your brain is telling you to accelerate, don't accelerate. You're the project's lead. Tell them to listen to you. If they don't listen to you, you go to the other stakeholders, make them listen to you. So stick to your guns. Do The best way to manage a project is plan, plan, plan. Yeah. As much as that pre-planning stage is done as possible, you will cakewalk the production. Also, um, develop pragmatism because shit's going to go wrong <laughs> all the time. So be pragmatic about it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I, I was always arguing we need to spend more. We need more information, more detail in the plan. And people yeah. would say, but but it's going to delay things. We've got to keep. We've got to take some action and get underway. And I said, well, it'll delay things a lot more if if we haven't planned it out right. And in fact, at the yeah. end of the day, and I had I actually had some data, and I can't even remember how I came up with this, but I actually had some data that showed if you spend thirty percent more time on the plan, it had the potential to accelerate the project by anything up yep. to fifty percent. I think I've seen that research yeah. as well. Yeah, that's like yeah. I would say that's right, actually. Mm. 
Excellent. All right, final question to the buzz round. What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Be their authentic selves. And the reason I say that is because um, when I was first doing this, I started building Vox Messenger back in 2017. And I'm actually a Y Combinator startup school alum. And I'm an alum of Pioneer. And one of the things they'll tell you is, particularly if you're a black male in, in the startup world, is they'll tell you to mind your P's and Q's, have your hair cut in a certain way, wear your suits in a certain way. And you'll notice, particularly amongst the black community, that all of the people doing business in tech are all very cookie cutter and they all share the same personality. Now, I tried that. It doesn't work. It really doesn't. You'll actually sit there while people who are sitting beside people who've not even built a working prototype are getting funded while you're literally getting walked past. So don't do it. It's pointless. It literally is, and it serves no purpose other than to allow other people to be more comfortable around you. And you know what? I'm not sod about me making other people comfortable. That sounds like a problem for them, not for moi. So I would say be your authentic self. Be who you are, because in being who you are, you'll actually find your true strength. Mm. You know, that's the, that's the, and by the way, that's the thing that people buy. Yeah. People don't buy the slick haircut and they don't buy the, you know, the, the lantern jaw. People buy the words, they buy the rhetoric, they buy the belief. Mm. And when you're your authentic self, you really believe you're, I'll give you an example. I'm, have you seen, did you see the presentation of the AI pin product recently? which is this little wearable that beams a phone onto your hand. It's all over the internet. It's called Human AI or Hume AI. Okay, I haven't seen that. And basically, if you go onto Twitter, it's all over the place. It's meant to revolutionize and replace mobile phones. The reality is it's just an amplified uh, body cam that requires you to have to stick your hand in front of it all the time to do some form of Blade Runner wannabe style <laughs> haptics. Yeah. Um, even during the presentation, these people are trying to do the Apple formula of a release presentation. And you can feel the lack of conviction and belief in them. It, it oozes from every frame of the video. There is no authenticity there. And it's been torn apart quite royally in the <laughs> tech world because of it. So be your authentic, authentic self. And by the way, if your authentic self involves painting half your face green, spiking your hair purple and doing, and like having cat's ears, who cares? That's you. Because as soon as you believe in you, you will be able to sell you. As soon as you believe in you, other people will believe in yeah. you. Yeah. You know, that's it sounds really simple, but it's actually really it, hard. It to is. Do. Yeah, it is. It requires a lot of self-awareness and building self-confidence, doesn't yeah. it? But the other thing yeah. I'd add to that, though, is that those people that are kind of trying to fit into this schema and maintain some sort of persona that they believe will endear them to whoever's making decisions in, in the world that they want to succeed in, that the energy that must cost to yeah. be an actor all, I mean, I, I think of it as, okay, if I'm, if I'm an actor in Hollywood and I'm playing a, a role mm. and there's some wonderful actors like uh, Meryl Streep's one of my favourite actresses and she she plays some roles where, you know, this is not Meryl Streep. I mean, she played Maggie Thatcher in, in whatever the movie's called and it's yeah. just so much different to who Meryl Streep really is and I think that must have cost an enormous amount of energy and I think that's that's what it must be like if somebody's kind of living their life from pretending my, to be somebody else. From my experience, it does. I mean, uh, I'll just say this one, tell this one last story. I worked for one of the biggest corporate law practices in the world. I was promoted from a lowly email agent within six months to product manager of their nine million pound CMS project because that's how I roll. Actually, it's also because I spotted that TR Thomson Reuters were bilking them on some Telerik controls, which I also knew had been deprecated years before. And like an idiot, I was like, oh my God, it's this. Like, okay, you're promoted. You do. <laughs> it's your problem now. And um, I remember situations where there would be people sticking their feet up on my desk going, oh my God, JB, I don't know how you got this job. You're just too cool, <laughs> which in corporate Britain is a euphemism for being black, basically. And I'd have to sit there and go, ha ha. How very droll. I don't know either. Ha, 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 ha. And yeah, you know, it does. It, it, it makes you ill. It actually does. Mm. You go home and you feel absolutely crap. You feel fake. 
and you feel it's it's going to sound like Lord of the Rings, but you think to 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 quote what uh, uh, is it Frodo says afterwards? It makes you feel thin. It makes you feel like you're a piece of tissue paper that is easily torn. Mm. It is, and it, it and it affects your mental well being so much. And this is the reason why we see so many mental mental health issues and breaks in young people as they're going and moving around in this world, particularly amongst the diverse and the poor. Because, by the way, I know lots of people will say, oh, my God, JB, he went on about that diverse thing a lot. But let's not get it twisted. I already know it's not really about diversity. It's about poverty. Hmm. Because diversity and this whole racism thing is just a lever of classism, effectively, which is part and parcel of poverty, large, most of which is largely enforced, artificially enforced. But that's a whole other discussion for a whole other <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we've had a lot of fun so far. It's a whole lot of topics, <laughs> whole lot of topics that we've kind of just touched on and scratched, scratched a little bit, and there uh, could be lots of uh, other episodes. So, um, all right. Now, uh, what's the best way people can find out more about you and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared? Um, actually, just take, type my name into Google. My, I used to hate my name because it was long and it's and it gives you wrist ache when you write it. But actually, it's so unique. It's the only one that comes up in a Google search. Yeah. So Google my name, Google Cryotech, Google Digin Technologies, Google Vox Messenger. Or if you have an Android phone, just go onto the Google Play Store and just type Vox Messenger into the Play Store. It's insanely easy to find. It, we are literally everywhere. Not in a bad kind of like surveillance way. I just mean like it's all over yeah, the place because yeah. people are actually accessing it, like benign and nice. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll have those links in the show notes, of course. All right. Well, um, finally, before we wrap it up, what action would you like our listener to take out of today's conversation? One action that they can, as soon as they hit the stop on the play button, they can go and do. Engage your critical, engage your critical thinking, and question everything, and focus on what is important to you, and trying to have a positive effect on the world around you. Excellent, that's wonderful. And something specific on that would be, you know, if if something's getting something specific on that, if something's getting yeah, up your specific, nose today. Uh, actually, something specific like that would be. Um, if you see people struggling in the world around you, be it your your neighbors or your friends and family, take the time out to hear them because just sometimes all somebody needs to be is heard. And sometimes that's, it, it costs nothing to hear a person. It really doesn't. And it can actually save a life. Yeah. So, and it's the simplest, easiest, positive effect that you can have actually is being that listening ear for somebody. Excellent. So there's a very specific action. So. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, JB. This has been fabulous. Um, slightly different episode than we usually have, but it's been we've touched on lots of topics that I think are very topical for all of our audience, and it's um, it's been a really interesting conversation, and I think will prompt a lot of thinking, introspection, perhaps, um, and certainly, hopefully, some action. So, thanks for sharing your time and insights with us so generously today. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. It's been great chatting with you. Seriously, it's been fun. Loved it. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash Flyworld and secure your membership to the exclusive Flyworld Nation community, where you'll enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations, and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywell Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.